Well, hello, everybody, and welcome. Welcome to the Words, Women, and Wisdom radio show, streaming live from BBS Radio in California and syndicating to over 100 stations globally, including iHeart and iTunes. Now, if you're just listening for the first time, you haven't listened to the Words, Women, and Wisdom radio show before, I am your host. I'm originally born in England, London, England. I'm Yvonne L. Silva. And I interview amazing women, women who I've run across in various scenarios who are out in the world doing amazing things. Usually they have some sort of tragedy to triumph story. So in these stories, we look at how women in particular are so resilient, how we very often go into a dip of some circumstance that happens very often to us or it's coming for us. And it's coming for us as a gift wrapped in sandpaper, as my coach Susie says. So women who have been in that dip and have now found a way to climb back out again. And what's been their journey? What are the lessons that you as the listeners can take away from these stories? Now, today I'm interviewing a beautiful guest, Oni Joseph. Goes by Oni, actually poet Oni, (laughs) the Haitian sensation. Now, Oni has been doing incredible work around the world. If you've never heard the term slam before, we're going to dive into that. And we're going to interweave this story with some incredible history and look at how her journey, how her heritage is coming to life, her Haitian heritage, what she's been able to do, I mean, the the list is very long, right, from meeting Nelson Mandela to speaking in Parliament to creating some incredible poetry and then also being the, the lead for some slam competitions. And as her journey has unfolded, there's been some hiccups along the way. So we'll look at what happened and we'll also dive into the story of her new ventures. So Oni is with me today. And again, if you're thinking, well, why are you even doing this work, Yvonne? My passion is words. So we had that in common. And the passion from words actually came from an experience growing up where my mom had, uh, my mom was a a stay-at-home mom after being a business, business professional. And my dad came back from the war with PTSD, got a bullet in Dunkirk, And he just showed up as a really angry man. Um, They just didn't treat hundreds of thousands of men then coming back with PTSD. And he literally drained the dignity out of my mom with his powerful, angry words, his constant criticisms. Then he turned on me when I was 12, was uh, actually 11, just going into high school as well. And as I watched the energy get drained out of my mom, I swore that I was never going to be in that scenario. And now that's the work I do as the author of the best-selling book, Words, Women and Wisdom, The Modern Art of Confident Conversations, bringing word power to women so that you can ask for what you want and get it. So I'm delighted that we have a passion for words in common. So welcome, Oni. So glad you could join me. Good morning. Thank you very much for inviting me today, Yvonne. I'm very happy to be here. I can totally relate to your experience, to your father's experience. Um, I'm very authentic. I'm a poet. I come from a long line of poets Mm -hmm. and um, poetry in a war. Basically, that's my background. Right. And uh, yeah, oddly enough, um, you know, I was a victim of gun violence. And um, instead of making that my story, I'm reinventing myself and um, I've used poetry to heal and all of my experiences have put me on my path, as you mentioned, on my fool's journey, on my new um, journey to help people um, change their lives for the better during volatile times. Mm-hmm. We're in and um, the world's never going to go back to how it was. And how do we, you know, make a better place on the planet? Absolutely. So that's what I'm here for, to have these hard conversations for people who experience trauma and who, you know, are stuck. So we have a couple of things in common. Well, we have several things in common. First of all, we're both in Canada. So I'm in Calgary, Alberta, Canada. That's where this is broadcasting originally from before it goes to the BBS station uh, for the wider audience. You're in Ottawa, right? I'm in Ottawa, Canada. Okay. Born in Montreal and I'm in Ottawa, Canada in the nation's capital. Yes. 
So we have that Canadian history. We also both are immigrants. I originally came from England and you're going to share your story in just a moment. We have a passion for the power of words and we also are passionate about inclusivity and diversity and how can we use our language and our words especially for women, because that's my passion, to help them have the language that they need to speak up, to speak out, and to make an impact. So I would love to start at the beginning, um, Oni. What's the background when you were growing up that has led you to the work that you do today? Like, what happened? Tell me about your upbringing, because I've never been to Haiti. I only ever see it on the news as a place that is typically under some sort of hurricane or emergency. And the people there I've uh, I've seen have been such lovely people. And yet, you know, you're in a, you're in a, a part of the world where tropical storms happen. So tell me about your life growing up. Well, I am. Um... I was born in Montreal, Canada, so mm. I'm Haitian, made in Canada. Okay. Uh, so I want to clarify that, but um, my the way that I was raised was when I was inside of the house, I was in Haiti, mm. <laughs> and I had to follow Haitian rule and custom and culture and food and music and poetry. Mm. Um, I was raised in a traditional indigenous um, context called the Arieto. Mm. Haiti was um, ruled by a queen called Anacaona. She was, she faced off with Columbus. I'm also distantly, um, I'm indigenous as well. So the, the island was ruled with poetry. And um, so that's how I was raised in that context. Also, I'm uh, related to the author of The Three Musketeers, so Thomas um, Alexandre de, de la Paitrie, and um, he was born in the city of Poets, which is where my family's from. Um, it's Jeremy Haiti, so he was born there, and I'm related to him, and so it's in my blood, it's in my DNA, even the way we speak, um, we're very, you know, poetic, and um, so not many women, as you say, like, um, I use poetry to assert myself and to get stuff done. Um, I'm an interactive multimedia specialist by trade. And when I receive my curriculum, I'm a single parent of three. I've got one child of autism. It was really hard for me to focus. So what I did was that I converted all of my notes into poetry and I use mnemonics, which is a scientific method to study. And everything I do is poetry based. Um, you know, I work for the government as a poetic reporter where like, They'll give me policy and I'll read it. I'll understand it. And I'll read, um, I'm a modulator, demodulator. I'll rechunk it with poetry. Um, when I work with women's organizations, if they have an issue, um, they'll tell me, we'll sit down, I'll understand the issues. And then I'll demodulate it with poetry and I motivate people. And um, I, I love to, you know, I like to represent the underdog, anybody. And I, and I help people assert themselves. Um, I've done, you know, workshops where I, I speak about really, I get um, women to feel empowered, men, everybody. Um, you know, I'm a, I'm a strong mental health um, advocate. Um, that, that in itself, I mean, there are so many facets of you. You're like a diamond, right, with all of these different facets that could be explored so how did you get started so you grew up um was it through the Haitian culture were you going to um regular Canadian schools were you um tapping into your indigenous roots like tell me about your upbringing everything so I grew up in Blossom Park mm. in a very Haitian household but we were the only black family in a very white neighborhood which is why I sound like this and it confuses people because that's how I was socialized I went to I started off going to private school I actually um went to Lycée Claudel of Ottawa I went my first language is French so I actually went to school the prime minister um so this is back and I'm dating myself 1979 and then um so I was homeschooled by my dad who um is a linguist he went to Indiana State University so he and I were very close and he um helped me you know develop my passion for poetry and language and expression and laughter and jokes so then I always wrote poetry um 
when Nelson Mandela was released from prison, I knew that I was going to meet that man, that amazing man. And that was a prophecy that I, you know, gave myself. That wasn't like, that was my intention from the time I was 16, 17. And um, I then, uh, you know, when I, I, I was a varsity badminton player. <laughs> so he facets. I played in Toronto and then I basically started joining poetry troops. Um, and uh, yeah, eventually I, you know, started performing and um, left athletics and I basically like I didn't stop then I had um my children and life changed I was a single parent and it was really sad because my family repudiated me for being a single mother so I really had to learn how to be strong and resilient but I was still you know finding opportunities to perform and I found my voice and I went back to school after being um, a single parent I interned at the CBC and um, then I had um, I was part of many um, the CBC Poetry Face-Off, where I was part of a, like, national broadcasting opportunity, and just basically, like, since I was speaking in my authentic voice, since I was on my path, um, one thing led to another. Wow, um, this, as- this is such an intriguing story. So, you've, you've done your schooling, you've been homeschooled, and then um, starting to get to do more public poetry um, invitation work. Um, and then how old were you when you had your first child, Oni? I was 21 years old. 21. Okay. So what happened between doing all of the poetry work publicly and then having your first child? Um, well, it, it just kind of like, it didn't really stop. So like, I would say, like, I started publicly performing at the age of 19. Right. Going to school, and I was I was a party girl. I was a wild party girl, wild poetry party girl, you know. And then, uh, you know, I got pregnant, and um, so then I had to basically go back home. I was in Toronto. My career started in Toronto. Mm-hmm. Then I went back to Ottawa, and then I was, you know, I had my child, breastfed, awesome mom, but I was itching to perform. And then finally, when you know people called me back, um, and I was really um. Uh, you know, my self-esteem was affected because, you know, I put on over a hundred pounds and, but still I didn't oh. let that, I was really authentic and I performed slowly and I just, um, I ended up, actually I moved to California. Um, so I say that like, uh, I was a late bloomer. So when I had my first child, I called his father, the man who stopped my puberty and okay. <laughs> ended up in California. I lived, um, it was a really terrible experience. Like, so when I was off my path, I ended up in Los Angeles and then I basically had to leave a very terrible domestic violence situation. And I made my way back to Canada to get back on my path again. And that's when I said, I said to God, like, if you get me out of this situation, I'll go back to school. I'll be, you know, back on poetry, back on my path. And that ultimately is what happened. Mm. And um, so, yeah, it was really, um, I'm, you know, I'm a woman of faith. I'm very pious. And, um, you know, poetry, I say that, you know, every poem is a prayer and, uh, really, um, I'm very pious with poetry and that's what, um, helps me stay on track. And, um, yeah, so that's this, like poetry is who I am, like in every bit of my DNA. So multifaceted diamond, poet only. (laughs) (laughs) So poetry is, is the passion And then what I love when we spoke um, just yesterday is that you've been able to take that passion and now look at, you know, what is it that the world really needs? And with so much uproar, particularly in Canada, we just had National Indigenous Peoples Day last week. um, With so much uproar now as the elements of what happened with the residential school system are coming to the forefront. We've got the Roe versus Wade women's um, tragedy going back now where freedom uh, for abortion is going backwards there are so many things that are happening in the world your experience and what you shared with me in one of your beautiful poems really put the spotlight on we need to be more inclusive we need to be more thoughtful we need to be more impact oriented if our women are going to continue to evolve as the powerful generation that we've we have moved towards being and becoming then 
there is no room for exclusivity. We need to really take every opportunity we can to focus on diversity. Diversity includes women, it includes people of different colors and races and religions. It's inclusive in every way possible, whatever your background is. And when we look at the, you know, the equity statistics you know, coming from a human resources background, you know, age, race, religion, color, all of those things, and includes, you know, sex, right? Um, um, whether we're male or female and monitoring whether or not women are in fact earning the same wages as men. I talked about this when I put my book together um, back in 2018, my, my best-selling book, um, Words, Women and Wisdom, The Modern Art of Confident Conversations. And what I talked about was the, the disparity between wages. And at that time, it was, you know, 71 cents on the dollar that, uh, you know, women had to work an extra you know, three months a year almost to, to get to get to have the same wages as men in very many positions. It's um, it's shifted since that that number is now over 80 cents, but it certainly opens the door for a conversation to say, what is equality? Equality, no matter what your diverse background is, how can we be more inclusive? How can we be recognizing that everyone makes a contribution? And yours is phenomenal phenomenal because of the work that you're doing. I'm curious to hear what is SLAM? <laughs> Tell me about how that well, part feeds into your your history. So I mean SLAM like my history it's like you know basically in Haiti you know mm -hmm. a lot of poets from where we come from poetry is political so you get your point across and oh, SLAM okay. poetry when you get your point across with poetry you're using mnemonics to get your whatever it is higher wages not wanting to wash the dishes, whatever it is, in less than three minutes. So slam poetry is, um, it's a sport. Every, I, I directed Canada's first slam poetry festival. Right. Yeah. I was the first Canadian woman to tour slam, like in Europe. Um, I've been to Australia three times, um, doing what I love, which is slam. And um, with slam, I mean, I, you know, I worked with the UN, with UNESCO, with different organizations that want to get their point across in less than three minutes and reach out to a broad audience and um, win and um, engage. And um, it's a conversation piece. Um, would I be able to um, present um, a short poem to give your audience a taste? I was hoping that you would have a poem ready. Um, <laughs> so if it's the same poem you shared with me, yes. great. If it's a new poem, even better. It's yes, same, Let's yes. Let's really put the focus on the fact that we do have um, our interview today with Oni, poet Oni, the Haitian sensation. So let's give you the floor, the virtual floor, to share one of your beautiful poems. L listen up, because this is so powerful. So the poem I'll present to you is called Cultural PMS. It's from my book, Ghettostocracy, which was a book of the year in the Global Mail. and um, so, you know, the pandemic created like a trauma of layered crises and um, it's a great undoing and we're burdened by these stressors. And I want to take a negative experience and this poem turns it into a positive experience. And my business is called Cultural PMS based on this experience. So once a month, I suffer from cultural PMS. Once a month, I suffer from cultural PMS. I am a black bilingual technologist. What do you mean? I do exist. Let me be part of your team. Negative attitudes gives me cramps that Advil cannot cure. Let me tell you. Let me tell you about some of the things that I endure. Once a month, I suffer from cultural PMS. I get cramps from ignorance. I experience mood swings when people pester me about where I'm from. Once a month, I suffer from cultural PMS. The other day, I was in the elevator after work, and this lady asks me, where do you come from? I said, I come from the 11th floor. <laughs> the same lady asks me again, where do you come from? I said, I come from upstairs, I come from the 11th floor, and you come from downstairs, you come from the fifth floor. Once a month, I suffer from cultural PMS. Diversity is in everything we do. It's about me, it's about you, and you know it's true. Diversity is in constant evolution that could uplift this that could uplift this nation. It's our solution. Once a month, I suffer from cultural PMS. 
Diversity is my personal flavor. It's my unique style that works in my favor. We all have different views, which needs to be respected since we all come in different hues. Once a month, I suffer from cultural PMS. So, so don't freaking ask me if I only eat spicy food or, or if I like it here. Yes, I hear that too. Get your nasty hands out of my natural hair. Respect my space. Damn, be fair. You make my Afro want to take a vacation. Ignorant folks like you should engage in meditation. And when you ask me, Oni, is it true what they say about Black men? My answer to you is yes. They're intelligent and they make excellent friends. Once a month, I suffer from cultural PMS. I wanna be part of a team that shares my dreams. I wanna be a leader. I want the green. Society lacks creative solutions. Diversity is inspirational. It's a revolution. Yvonne, once a month, I suffer from cultural PMS. Let me hear you say it. Once a month, we all suffer from cultural PMS and we have to fix this. And that is an issue I would love to address. And that's how I would love to be of service to the world, to address the cultural PMS in society, in the workplace, everywhere. Well, 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 that is so, so eloquent, so articulate, so impactful. And yet the, the things that you're sharing as a, a, a white female in in you know being in the corporate arena for 20 plus years before working independently in my coaching business for the last 12 i i honestly have never had someone who wanted to come and run their fingers through my hair other than my husband um but i did when i was pregnant have people that constantly wanted to come up and touch my belly which i found really creepy so mm-hmm. you know i can uh, sort of associate a little bit of what you're sharing there but wow that definitely slams things in my face and it puts things in the spotlight for discussion. Wow. What a beautiful gift you have to be opening up conversations, especially in this world of diversity. And especially when I can just see you standing in front of a group in a corporate workshop type setting where you're sharing your poetry as a way to get people's attention and get them thinking at the start of a workshop. Super powerful. Wow. Wow. So now the next piece of the journey, I believe, is to start getting out and doing more of that kind of work. Because now that we've got past a little bit, not fully past COVID, but we're starting to see more people returning back into the office, what I'm hearing a lot from my clients is that people are feeling disjointed, they're feeling disconnected. They're not feeling like a team anymore. A lot of them don't even want to be there because they they liked working from home and having the opportunity to sleep in for an extra hour or not be fighting like a sardine on the train. And so if we have more focus right now, I believe it's critical for rebuilding teams. If we put the, the focus on rebuilding diverse teams, and really drawing together all of the brilliant minds with all of the brilliant backgrounds and perspectives. Canada, just, you know, Canada Day, it's like this melting pot of different cultures and ideas. And if we really want to be a a workplace that is not just inclusive, but really truly is a great place to work, we have to be stepping up to the diversity conversation. Would you agree, Oni? I agree. And I want to work with people who want to be on the right side of history and who want to change. And I mean, the pandemic is good because we took a break and uh, we're going to come back stronger. We're going to make the economy stronger. And I would like to use this poetry exercise to build teams to, to speak, you know, have a very honest discussion to address the diversity, to address Mm -hmm. any blockage that would basically infringe upon our birthright. We should all be prosperous. Mm. whether it's a corporation whether it's a business and you know I would like to use poetry to unblock that blockage you know how we went went through the pandemic because we you know we've lost people we've lost lives we've lost our we've, we've lost our families and um you know now we're, we're we're coming back together differently and uh I just think that you know cultural PMS would be a great way to have that discussion and I would like to facilitate that I would like to speak and um, help who we are and how we've changed 
you know, we went through volatility, we went through uncertainty, we went through complexity, we went through, you know, volatile, like, you know, ambiguity, we don't know. Mm -hmm. And a lot has changed. And the the home has become an extended part of the workplace. And uh, we could use poetry to understand how we reintegrate to become prosperous and to walk with confidence into our birthright. So Mm, such passionate words and that whole concept of Booker, you know, the volatile, uncertain, complex and ambiguous world that we live in. It's even more complicated now for especially for middle managers. I had a conversation just recently with a a friend of mine um, who's in that that middle layer and that's the role, especially where you get directives coming down from the, um, the C-suite, the executive group, and then you get your input coming up from your team. And where those things meet, that's where the squeeze very often happens, especially when leaders are not walking the talk. It's one thing to have a, um, a mission statement on the wall behind your reception area that says, you know, we value all people and all perspectives, or we are a diverse and inclusive company. What exactly is it that your leaders are doing? What is their behavior to confirm and role model diversity in your organization? I think that's a powerful question to ask right now because leaders have very often been just a picture, a face on Zoom for the last two years. And to really bring people back together again, everybody needs to know their contribution matters. Everybody needs to know that their heritage and their culture is respected and that they are coming to work as a whole person, making a difference and making a contribution. Now, ladies, for you in particular, um, as you are going through the summer, I want you to take a little bit of time this summer, because very often in the corporate arena, performance reviews happen in the fall. I want you to go specifically back and look at some of the project work that you've done. Look at some of your daily activities. Where are their metrics to be describing how effective you have been. And let's start building together your your brag list, if you like, your badass list, the things that you may not be aware your supervisor knows about not just what you do in your role, because that's in your role description, but how do you go about doing it? How does your unique personality come to the forefront? In Oni's case, she's got poetry and linguistics as her background, her backdrop. And so how can she do a role a different, a little bit differently than any other corporate trainer, right? How does she show up differently? Well, we all have different gifts to bring to the table. My passion is language, helping women in particular to articulate their value. And so if you look at how you do the job, and then where's the value for the organization? Have you saved them money? Have you helped bring in new clients and what's the monetary value of that? Have you helped them recruit some um, some new employees through your own network, which is saving them recruiting costs and probably increasing turnover as well? Because people like to work with friends. If you have common values, chances are if you love your company and the values fit, your friend is also with similar values going to be a great long term fit. Is there a way that you can save money? for the organization. So you're saving the costs of operations or expenses, or maybe it's about first to market advantage because you're you're so happy at work, you're proud to bring in your best ideas. So that, that innovation aspect is really a great measure of how successful and how um, engaged are you in your workplace. So ladies, please think about that over the summer. What are the metrics that you wanna showcase why you are doing such an exceptional job. Here's the actual proof, the percentage increase, the numbers, the dollars, the value, and have that ready for your career or performance conversation. And then the question is, what do you see happening next for my career? Where is my next promotion? And then stop talking and let the silence do the heavy lifting. Let your boss tell you where he or she sees you going next in the organization. And then once that role has been identified, oh, I think your next step would be a leader or team leader or whatever it might be. Then the question becomes, what skills do I need to sharpen in order to be seen and ready to be in that role? So get clear on where you are right now, the value you're providing, 
where you want to go and how am I going to get there? It's a powerful conversation. And even if your boss doesn't like doing performance reviews, you can invite the conversation and make it a more comfortable way for he, him or her to have that conversation with you by bringing forward those four elements. It's all about the power of words, isn't it, Oni? It is. And th- what you just described could actually be, I could actually sit down and have that conversation with the staff mm-hmm. and they could actually present their performance report in poetry. Oh, that's juicy. I like that. So <laughs> it's true. And, and it's true because like cultural PMS, like it gives frontline workers an opportunity for advancement. Because if you listen to people, they'll want to stay. The United States has lost over $10 trillion within the decade due to high turnovers caused by companies not understanding cultural PMS because many employers, they lack the understanding behind the reason for high turnover. And when DEI is not put in place and when it's not met at a corporate level, um, they end up costing like the US, like as I mentioned, 23 trillion over the last 20 years, which is part of structural racism, discrimination and whatnot, just like gaps in understanding and like what I would like to do is yeah, I want to be juicy, you know, I want to get everybody on the same page and have that discussion. So imagine me in your boardroom, you know, for the, you know, the evaluation or whatnot, and everybody writes their, you know, like what they've accomplished since um, the pandemic in, you know, one case, yeah. And then we could all regurgitate it in poetry and develop that culture and, every month, you know, have a seance, a session where we speak in poetics. Yeah. Wow. I think we've, we've, we've connected and collaborated and brought forward a workshop idea right in this, uh, in this conversation. (laughs) I'm at your service. I'm at your service. How beautiful could that be? Yes. Performance, performance reviews in poetry. Yes. Wow. Because I know that very often leaders do not like doing performance reviews and so is there a way to have more impact with them so that they're not um, an awkward uncomfortable scenario but they are more uh, innovative there's more fun and freedom and flexibility around it because it's really a great opportunity for celebrating the, the people that you have on your team And what are the aspects of their personality that you really admire and respect that impact how they get their job done? Humor is a classic example. You know, when when things are uncomfortable, can you introduce humor without it sounding like sarcasm? Right. So that it lightens the mood and the conversation. And Mm -hmm. as I mentioned, being all about words. I am very aware, especially in my you know, 12, past 12 years of coaching, exclusively coaching women, women executives and entrepreneurs, the power of silence, the power of silence. When somebody says something and it, it takes you aback to simply say, excuse me, and just look strongly, firmly in the eye and let the silence of that do the heavy lifting. Very often the response is, oh, oops, that came out wrong. Let me rephrase it. Because what you're saying with very, very few words is that's not acceptable. Excuse me? (laughs) Um, It could be interpreted as, as, did I just really hear you say that? Um, I'm not sure I like how that's coming across. I mean, there's so many different interpretations. By giving the space, the opportunity for clarity It's a powerful, powerful tool. Just as you paused at specific points when you delivered your poem for impact, we can all learn to use the power of our words. So in the book, if you haven't heard about Words, Women and Wisdom, the Modern Art of Competent Conversations, there's actually 40 different words, words and word concepts to help women to have more powerful conversations, to ask for what we want, not in an aggressive aggressive way but in an assertive way so that we're clear we're coming from a place of being very grounded we know our stuff we know our numbers we know our value and now we're showcasing that for you in a way that connects to the business imperative the strategic direction your organization is going the team's overall objectives 
in a monetary fashion or in an ROI, percentage increase, any of those numbers, because business is all about numbers. Anytime you can showcase with your numbers what you've done and then bring in how you did it with your personality, unique characteristics, the way that you do business, the way you engage people. People very often say, I love your energy. Well, that's part of how I get things done. It's yes. by enrolling and inviting people to come into my energy. Let's play because I don't believe in scarcity. It's all about abundance, the world of possibilities and opportunities. And even in this conversation, look what we just created, a new workshop idea. A new workshop. Because it's true. You know, I would say cultural PMS, it would help your organization develop a strong talent pipeline. So now you're adding poetry. We're Swiss army knives, right? Like we're coming back stronger. And yes. it's an opportunity of prosperity with a pathway from the front line to the rest of your organization to improve workplace development and global economic mobility. Mm. With so basically mm. it's a you know intercompany slam. It's it's everything. It's just how it is, how we deal with things as a society. And, um, you know, I could do workshops. I'm open for public speaking. And, it, you know, it's, 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 it's to um, get us to be successful in leading brave conversations, timely conversations as we are getting out of a pandemic. Yeah. And enhancing diversity and inclusion in the workplace. And um, if people, say, would be shy to perform, well, they could write it on a piece of paper and they could get their friend in the workshop. They, they could have, like, one spokesperson for the group. Like, it could be done in so many ways. And that's just leadership that we need right now. We need Can innovation. We do. And if I can share, um, I was in a, I mean, the last, oh, 20 years, I've been on a huge personal development journey. I think, you know, $100,000 later, <laughs> plus I've invested in my, my own personal development, working with different coaches and mentors and different exploratory workshops. One of them was um, with T. Harv Eker, um, the author of The Millionaire Mind. And one of the sessions, exercises we did, I can't remember if it was Warrior or Wizard Camp, I think it was Warrior Camp. We, we had to develop a song. So we had about 20 minutes to write our song and then we had to sing it to an audience of, I think it was four or 600 people there that time, 400, I think. So stand up on stage and sing your song. Well, first of all, I'm not a singer. And secondly, while I love words and I do have some poetry that's written now, I'm just going to have to blow the dust off that and bring it out after this conversation. Um, but the person who is my partner for the songwriting part, I'm, I'm sure he was a professional rapper. I mean, he came up with this catchy song right away in five minutes. And then the next 15 was more about rehearsing it and living and stepping into it. I was still struggling to get my words and a tune to go around it. So I stood in the line. I was probably number 25 in the lineup. And the whole time, standing in line, getting ready to go on that stage, Honestly, I just felt like I needed to go rush to the bathroom and throw up. I was so nervous, so nervous. So finally, my friend gets up on stage. He's right in front of me. He does his part and he's the, you know, the, the professional style rapper. Everybody cheers. And I'm thinking, oh, great. I got to follow that. <laughs> so I went on the stage. Um, it wasn't the first time I'd been on a fairly fairly uh, good sized stage but very daunting because I had never publicly sung I don't believe I can sing very well in tune and so I had my my story in form and my my poem if you like that I was now going to sing in front of everybody and I did it and people clapped people clapped and cheered and I I was so blown away and it was one of those moments only where we also did a mountain climb that weekend, too. It was one of those things where I never in a million years thought I could do it. I did do it. I forced myself to do it, to take that bigger step. And it was well received, far better than I expected. And that is where we that is where we as women, I believe, um, see our confidence rise. It's not through the easy times where everything is just roses all the time. It's when we have those challenging things, we never think we're going to get through it. And yet we find the grit and the grace to do it and come out the other side, look back and say, wow, holy smokes, I never thought I could do that. 
I wonder what else I could do that I had mentally put a cap on and haven't even tried. Would you agree? I would agree. Let me ask you something. Hmm. Um, have you examined the poetry in your background, in your family, in your history? Because, you know, I've worked in France and in Spain as a troubadour, as a troubadour. And um, that is such a, like, the bards, and that's such a huge part of British history and Shakespeare and whatnot. I mean, right. you have that in your blood. You speak very eloquently. Um, yeah. You consider um, collaborating, you know, we, we could write a book of poetry and, you know, that could be, I'm putting ideas in your mind because what happens is that it's in your DNA as well. Like poetry is in everybody's DNA and I want to help you reconnect with that. Mm. And, um yes let's do that let's reconnect with that let's um go into your poetry dna let's look at the poets in your family and who in your family has used poetry to get their their thoughts across whether it's a union whether it's like women's rights and whatnot i know you have it in your DNA. Mm. you know and speaking of that i've actually done a dna test and i am part british and i have been in touch with a cousin of mine miss perkins in england wow <laughs> kind of looks like you but we're cousins you know <laughs> The world, the world is becoming this oyster and it's, you know, six degrees of separation is getting smaller and smaller and smaller, isn't it? We also have one other thing in common. We both have a special needs child. You talked about your autistic son. Um, yes. My son is a special needs as well. He's now 27. And those are the souls who I believe can also make such a big, make such a big contribution to humanity when I watch some of the responses to when Alex was um we, we had him on Dragon's Den and he was talking about his idea which is um at the time was more of an idea than than reality was uh, selling his paintings that he had done to raise money for Operation Smile <clears throat> excuse me I get choked up even talking about it to raise money for Operation Smile. And at that point, he'd sold, I think, three um, paintings. Now he's sold enough paintings and prints to pay for five Operation Smile surgeries to happen. So children in poor countries with that cleft lip palate that is usually split in some disfiguration um, approach is, is healed. And it, it helps them to smile again. And as we know, a smile is a universal language. Someone smiles at you, it's almost automatic. You cannot help but smile back. So imagine if your face is disfigured and you can't smile, first of all, the parents very often of these kids hide them away and they don't let them go to school. So they don't experience a full life. And then, I mean, how sad is that? But when they have a a face where they can smile and they can be proud, even if there might be a little scar there, it just makes such an impact in the world when we can all smile. So my son's work, we showcased it on Dragon's Den. And at that point, I was thinking, well, I can take him into schools with me. Kids age six to 12 can then really see what's possible. You know, if my son Alex, who's special needs, who is probably more like a social age of seven, can impact five little kids plus all of their families plus all the things that they were going to go on and do in their life by paying for smiles by selling his paintings what can you do as a regular kid with no limitations on your physical and mental attributes what could you do yeah yeah I'm, oh, uh, so much a, so much fun aren't they <laughs> they are and that's the thing because what happens I find that even with therapy people try to make them more like us like my son, his first word was James Brown. I almost threw him across the room. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm sure you didn't. But. <laughs> I didn't. I, didn't. I was like, oh, my God, I was so scared. And um, what I did is that um, they actually tried to take my child away from me. They tried to institutionalize him. They, did, they told me I couldn't raise him. So what I did is that that's when I got into law. I'm a, I'm a litigation guardian in human rights. Mm -hmm. I found out what rights were. And uh, I went to the place, I went to the Institute, I took the name of all the doctors, and all the specialists. And I understood that in Ontario, every child has a right to attend their neighborhood school. Mm -hmm. So I took my child to school with his James Brown saying self. And I had all the doctors and the specialists put him and I said, Okay, well, here he is. And um, 
he went from being like Helen Keller to getting into university in his own right. Like, you know, I had to be, um, my rules are crap, which is consistency, repetition, alignment, and positioning. And by following these rules with him, by keeping a consistent schedule, he didn't need me as much anymore. And he got into university. I still, you know, I'm there and I guide him, but, um, and I, you know, was able to like, by letting him be himself the same way that you amazingly let your son be himself, he was able to, I, I accepted him for who he was. And, um, I worked in the background, like I helped develop his curriculum. I created the IEPs for him. I found out all the law behind that. And, um, I learned how to litigate and fight for him. And that's also with poetry. So, I mean. So powerful. When we have a passion, it's like a fire inside that no flame or water, I'm sorry, no water is going to put out that, that flame. And I see, I almost see you only as, um, you know, a phoenix rising again out of the ashes because you've had this, rich deep cultural experience of being in the poetry world in the performance world in the world of history and tying together all of these things and then connecting with with uh, I think it was Nasser and then you've got Nelson Mandela you spoke at the Library of Congress Library of Parliament you've done some amazing things in the past and sometimes we all need to take a a break and kind of catch our breath, get our family stuff sorted out and then come back and we get to come back even stronger. That's the sense of where you're at in your, your journey right now. Is that a fair assessment? It is. You are my first interview after hiatus. Mm. Um, so I'm very thankful for you. I love you very much. And um, I'm so happy that Susie connected us. Like you have no idea how much I appreciate you and value you and how we're kindred spirits and how you know we have so much in common and we have we both want to see a better world for for ourselves and for our children you know we're both strong mothers and strong advocates so I mean you know that's it like you know and and people like people don't like in the past uh, people look down on me and then they would get mad at me when I would accomplish so much knowing that I had three kids you know it's just because my heart's in the right place. Your heart's in the right place. I'm consistent, well, you know, and um, you're, I'm, you know, we're, we're both highly competent and brilliant and um, generous, you know, and we do things from the heart. You we know, do. I'm a heart-centered business person. I'm an entrepreneur. I'm relaunching. And, and, and it means like very authentic. You always know where you stand with me. I come from the heart. Um everything with me it's with love and I feel the love in your voice and I just really appreciate you Yvonne mm. well I'm so glad that we connected and that we were able to to host this interview and as we start to sort of get into our last you know five minutes here I really want to celebrate all of the components of your work the passion that you've been able to hone in on and then to look and say, what do I need to shore up that foundation even more? Um, you know, adding litigation, um, you know, guardianship to a skill set, which is all about advocacy. It's about using language to get stuff done, to stand up for people's rights. So I see a great linkage with that and the words that you use and how you use them in your powerful poetry. And then to be able to bring in the elements of history to say, yeah, this is not just me. This goes back in my family. You know, my father was a linguist and, um, you know, all of those pieces start to come together. And when you put the spotlight on it, it really is about a diamond shining. Right. And so now we have an opportunity, I believe, to, to take that diamond from being sort of on its, its side, if you like, to really pointing upwards and say, okay, I'm ready, world. Let's see what this conversation can spark, because there are so many corporations in particular that I really want to encourage. You need something different this this summer, this fall. You want people to come back from summer vacation engaged, motivated, excited about the last quarter of the year and giving all of their focus and energy to accomplishing your year's objectives. 
You need something different. You need something innovative. You need something powerful they haven't seen before that is fun. And I believe that Oni could be a secret weapon in that. And if we can foster some of those conversations, what I'd like to encourage is reach out. Have a, you know, 10, 15 minute conversation, an exploratory conversation with Oni. See what your challenge within your workplace and see how the beautiful poetry work that she does could actually support some of the things that you've been trying to figure out how to do, but did not have an answer, did not have something fun and innovative, yet powerful and impactful to start the conversation because I think that Oni's calendar is going to start to get pretty jammed in fall when everyone starts coming back from vacation so you want to have those conversations with her now to make sure that she's reserving a space in her workshop calendar for you. (sighs) This has been such a powerful conversation and yes we both have the belief that words are powerful. Your words matter. My words matter. Our audience, ladies, your words matter, whether that's guiding a child to do something so that you're impacting our future heritage, whether that's role modeling and stepping into, you know, as promised, I said I would do this, here I am doing it. That's also one of the most powerful things that you can do is the consistency part. I said I was going to do something, I did it. And that's also something I wrote about in an article recently with LinkedIn. I posted it on LinkedIn about employee engagement is that employees now are looking for more integrity in their leaders. And this is a way that you can bring forward, again, tapping into here's the imperatives, the business imperatives that our organization needs to thrive in this uncertain, volatile VUCA world. And We're prepared to invest in getting a little bit innovative so that we can give you the tools, give you the motivation, give you the chance to self-motivate with some excitement and fun to come back and bring your innovative ideas to help the organization get through tough times. Because if employees are not motivated, they're not engaged, they will not bring forward their best ideas. And that's what every company needs right now. So Oni, I was blessed to connect with you and I'm so looking forward to continued conversations with you. Where can people get in touch with you? What's the best place for them to reach you? So the best place right now, um, you could find me on LinkedIn. So I'm beating the clock. I'm in the process of building my profile. So LinkedIn will be our first point of conversation and Mm -hmm. then still developing my platform. But LinkedIn will be where you'll be able to find me. Great. And you all know that if for some reason um, you cannot find Oni readily on LinkedIn, you can always reach out through me as well. So your uh, profile will be under O-N-I and then last name Joseph, J-O-S-E-P-H. Is that right? Yes. 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 Okay. So poet Oni, the Haitian sensation is who we have um, the pleasure of interviewing today. A powerful interview. And again, I want to continue to explore this power of words. Um, That's part of my conversation every two weeks on the Words of Women and Wisdom radio show, bringing to light people you might not have even heard of yet, who are women who've risen from tragedy to triumph, raising three kids as a single mom, growing up in a, a white community and dealing with that aspect of diversity is given only a new perspective that she's more than happy to share in your organization in a way that is fun and bring in the power of poetry. Just uh, oh, last six months ago, maybe, um, America's Got Talent, one of the people that was very successful in that competition was a gentleman who brought forward the spoken word. And as soon as I heard him talk, I was in tears. It was just so powerful. I felt that exact same connection when you shared your cultural PMS poem today. So I really hope that there will be many organizations that reach out, connect with you to hear that coming into their forefront, to create something innovative that is impactful and helps to bring people together on the platform of diversity, equity, and inclusion. 
DEI is where we all need to put our energy right now because we are a collaborative world. And if we're going to get through this, we need to get through it together. So thank you, Oni, for joining me today. Thank you so much, Yvonne. Have a great day, everybody. And don't forget to look up Oni, (laughs) Oni Joseph, O-N-I. And then Joseph, J-O-S-E-P-H on LinkedIn. And you'll also see um, this uh, recording um, later on. So you'll you'll see a replay of this. Lots of opportunity to connect with uh, with um, Oni. And also, if you're interested in picking up a copy of my book, Words, Women and Wisdom, The Modern Art of Conversa- Confident Conversations, it's on Amazon and it's also on audiobook. Feel free to reach out and connect with me as well through LinkedIn. Have a beautiful day, everybody. Ladies, a new book is on the horizon. Words, Women and Wisdom, The Modern Art of Confident Conversations. This new book is for women ready to rediscover their inner confidence, take a stand for themselves in life and business by using more powerful language. Words are so powerful and have already changed history. On October 5th, the New York Times published a story detailing decades of allegations of sexual harassment against film producer Harvey Weinstein. And numerous women in the entertainment industry found the courage to go public, banding together with a powerful voice that change is long overdue. Even Oprah Winfrey, television network icon, gave a rousing speech at the Golden Globe Awards in January. The media has showcased the Time's Up Legal Defense Fund. The Me Too movement is flourishing and all signaling it's time for women's equality and change. I believe it's time to give women the verbal agility to create more confident conversations. Words, Women and Wisdom, The Modern Art of Confident Conversations is the book which provides practical approaches for women to ask for what we really want and receive our request. Hello, I'm Yvonne Silver, Certified Executive Coach and Senior HR Professional, seasoned in business. I teach women to flourish in business by using more confident language to help empower and engage others. This book is the result of over 35 years of my career, professional career, working in four different countries. I've interviewed over 6,000 people in my career for job interviews, executive coaching, for sales and consulting conversations. And I've listened to hundreds of women in particular who are looking for a better way to collaborate. They're looking to be uh, asking for what they really want and heard and validated, especially in business. And women often earn less than men for doing exactly the same job. It's 2018. It's time for change. The modern art of confident conversations explores words we use at home, at work. Words that trip us up, elevate us and encourage us. And when no words are even required. It is about how to leverage the power of words in a positive, in a collaborative and impactful way. Now I work with women entrepreneurs and leaders who are empowering other women and leading through mentorship programs and my coaching, public speaking, interviews and writing. I'm passionate about women's equality. Why? I grew up in England in a house with a flow of negative comments from my father which destroyed my mum's dignity until she became an empty shell of the vibrant woman she'd once been, belittled by constant criticism and questioning of her abilities. Through my own life journey and supporting hundreds of female clients, I've discovered critical words to ask to get what we really want collaboratively. I know there are critical links between our language, our behavior, our mindset and our success in life. Words from a song can replay in our head for hours and poetry can bring a lump in our throats. I've combined my insights with interviews from influential women, sharing their pearls of wisdom, supplemented with research and reference studies from established scholars. Women are rising up. It's time for women to be heard. Let's use more powerful, positive language and join 
The Rising Tide of Change. This book is for you, a woman looking to the future, ready to embrace significant positive changes in your life by using more confident language. Eliminate those words that drain your power, add words that energize and invigorate and shift from ordinary to extraordinary. Just one word can change your life. I believe every woman needs their own copy of this powerful book. It's time for action and time for change. Order and reserve your own copy of Words, Women and Wisdom today.